0: welcome to the methodist church in ireland podcast we are a community of people who are committed to living wholeheartedly as followers of jesus for the transformation of the world we hope you find this podcast encouraging and inspiring helping you to do the same We are honoured to be joined by Graham Philpott, who will lead us in our conference Bible study today. Graham is the director of the Church Land Programme in South Africa, a partner organisation of the Methodist Church in Ireland through world development and relief.
1: Good morning. Welcome to the third study our series that we have been with for the past couple of days. I am reminded of the first day when we started talking about the idea of walking through the valley of darkness, the valley of death, uh, naming our reality of people who die before their time and our systems exclude and bring death and suffering. I remember our first study we looked at Psalm 23 and we affirmed quite strongly as a, as a statement of faith that God is with us as we walk through the valley of darkness. But we also went on to look at who is the God who's with us, not just any God. And the psalmist talked about the, the shepherd God who cares for, provides for, and makes sure that everyone has what they need. But also the, the picture of the welcoming host, welcoming us to the table, a table that's big enough for all, for us and our enemies, for all to be welcomed. That's the God who's with us as we walk through the valley of darkness. The the second study we then went on to look at in the Gospel of Mark, how Jesus engages those living in this valley of darkness. And we looked at a particular experience of the, the man with the shriveled hand who's died before his time. many ways. And how does Jesus engage? He brings healing, wholeness and restoration. But for us he also reshapes our sense of space and time and what it's there for. That it should be life-giving. That Jesus takes time to see and hear the suffering that is caused by our exclusive and marginalizing world. And invites us at this time, to name and make explicit those forces which strip people of their humanity and their God-given dignity. In our third study, we're going to go on today to look at the Gospel of Mark, the second occasion in the Gospel where the leaders of the day respond to Jesus' action and ministry with plots to kill him. And we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 11. And it's the occasion of what's called the cleansing of the temple. And I'm really struck by this because the temple is is a space, an institution that's been set aside for a restorative ministry. And yet it's become something else. And I wonder if that's a challenge for us is when we set aside spaces with the intention for them to be healing. For the intention for them to be life-giving and particularly life-giving, focused around the life of Jesus, and yet somehow they become something different. Do do we hear that? And can we hear Jesus acting today? So let me read Mark chapter 11, from verse 15 to verse 18. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out to those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves, and he would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers? The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him, because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. Isn't it interesting? uh, An event of Jesus trying to restore the temple to what it was meant to be as it was written provokes such a deep response from the Pharisees, sorry, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law of this time plotting to kill him. That he had hit at the very centre of their practices and was challenging that. And they were responding with a plot to kill him. This encounter happens towards the the end of Jesus' public ministry. He's travelled through the rural areas and had all sorts of encounters, and now he's heading towards Jerusalem. And he's engaging the power of Jerusalem, their practices associated with the urban center, and the temple is such a key place in that. And at the temple, as he enters it, he brings a halt to their exploitative practices. He doesn't just make comment on it, But he acts quite decisively and disruptively and brings a stop and says no more. Do not do this. This is not what it was meant to be. Stop. Stop. And can we think about how it was written? One of the functions of the temple was to be, in fact, a mechanism of redistribution ensuring that the foreigner, the widows, the orphans are cared for. One writer describes the temple as the the central storehouse, the central storehouse for the redistributive economy, the place where tithes and offerings are brought, so that the poor, the needy, the foreigner can be cared for. But now, now instead of being the storehouse, for redistribution, it's become a place of massive capital accumulation. One historian of, of that time describes uh, the chief high priest um, as being the great procurer of money. Something shifted, something distorted, when your religious leadership are called the great procurer of money. You've lost the sense of what the temple was about. And in this encounter, Jesus exposes that system of exclusion, of exploitation, and he attacks the very temple institutions because of the way that they exploit the poor. The places that he targets is, first of all, in the Gospel of Mark, it says, those buying and selling in the marketplace. This is most likely on the outer courts of the temple, uh, the place of the Gentiles. Pilgrims were arriving at the temple. They were coming to purchase all the things that were required for the ritual practices of the temple. The foreigners travelling long distances, having to purchase what was required. Jesus stops that. No more. Mark tells us he also turns over the table of the money changers. Doesn't just say, can we do this right? He just turns them over and brings a halt. Stop what you're doing. The money changers are, are those who would provide the correct currency for all the foreigners that have been traveling from outlying spaces and countries so that they have the acceptable temple currency because the temple insisted there's only one currency that can be used here. So it's like the financiers, the the banking institutions, to make sure that you can meet the requirements of the temple. Jesus just turns over. He also turns over the benches of those selling doves. The selling of doves? Well, doves were the sacrifices required. But they were for particular groups. It was for the ritual cleansing of, of women, of the leper of the poor. Those who were the ones who traded in the doves. The wealthy didn't deal with doves. It was the woman, the leper and the poor. And Jesus turns over and says, no, no more of this. No more must women, the lepers, the poor, the marginalized. No more must they be made to pay to find access to the house of the Lord. And all these institutions mark names, They all placed enormous burdens on the poor, and the women, and the foreigners. Jesus turns them over, disrupts, and puts a halt to this, not allowing any merchandise to be carried through the temple. A complete halt to business as usual. No wonder the leadership are offended. But it seems they're not only offended, they're so deeply offended, their whole worldview has been undermined by what Jesus is doing. And what Jesus does is he doesn't stop at his reaction. He goes on to teach, to explain why. What's my thinking about this? And he talks about as it is written. As it is written, my temple, the temple of the Lord, has become a den of robbers when it should be a house of prayer for all nations. Now those two phrases are references to the Old Testament. A den of robbers is from Jeremiah chapter 7. And in that chapter, Jeremiah, talking to the people at that time, says, Do not trust in deceptive words. And he actually names the word as the Temple. He says, Do not trust in deceptive words. The Temple, the Temple, the Temple and you think you have the house of the Lord. where in fact, it has become a den of robbers. And Jeremiah in that chapter calls on people to change their ways, to turn away from being a den of robbers, to change their ways and their actions and he says to deal with each other justly. And this is how he puts it. Do not oppress the foreigner. The fatherless or the widow and do not shed innocent blood in this place and do not follow other gods to your own harm Jeremiah named it as the den of robbers and said to change this is what you need to do do justice to the foreigner the widow the orphan do not shed innocent blood do not follow other gods the other reference that Jesus has to the Old Testament is, he says it's written that my the temple should be a house of prayer for all the nations. This is from Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 56. And in this chapter, Isaiah has a beautiful chapter where he describes how the, the temple will be a place of joy, a place of celebration for the foreigners, the widows. And... He has this phrase for many others who God will welcome to the house of prayer for all nations. And he has this frame, this phrase, to maintain justice. And I'm really struck by both these references to the Old Testament, Jeremiah and Isaiah, the den of robbers, the house of prayer for all the nations, locates it. In doing justice for the foreigner the orphan the widow no shedding of blood and is to be a place of joy for all so that many others can be added to this house of prayer i'm going to draw on ched myers and his commentary in the gospel of mark again he has this lovely description of what has taken place here with jesus and the temple And he says the the sight of prayer has shifted. Jesus talks about this temple should be the house of prayer for all nations. And that sight of, of God being present, of our activities of prayer, of making God present in our world, engaging God in our world, that sight of prayer has shifted. What Jesus is doing is it's that site of prayer is no longer based in geography. In other words, Jerusalem. There's no specific holy city anymore. But also, it's not based on an institution. In other words, the temple. It's no longer restricted to the temple. Jesus puts a hold to that, disrupts it, turns it all over, and says, stop, no more. Ted Minor says, the site of prayer has shifted rather to an ethical base. Not geography, not institution, but now an ethical base. The house of prayer for all the nations is rooted in justice. Not oppressing the foreigner, the fatherless, or the widow. Not shedding innocent blood. God's presence, amazingly, Jesus' ministry is tied to our practice, not powerful institutions. It's tied to what we do, not our institutions and systems. One of our colleagues at the Churchland program who was the chairperson of our, our board until he quite sadly passed away about 18 months ago, Vuyani Vellum, one of the leading black theologians. He talked to us about the importance of having a spirituality, a way of being. And this is how he put it. That is an affirmation of life against the architecture of empire. I feel he could have been saying what Jesus was saying about the temple. We need a spirituality against the architecture of temples against the architecture of empire that imposes sanctions and restricts and excludes. We need a spirituality that's an affirmation against that very system of empire. Vujani went on to talk about, within the spirituality, we need prayer. And The way he put it is, prayer becomes a subversive verb. It's a doing word. It's an action. Prayer becomes a subversive verb that inflicts convulsion and the collapse of the fortresses of empire. Isn't that such a true description of what Jesus was doing? An act of prayer that inflicted convulsion and the collapse of the fortresses of empire, of the temple. The space of prayer for all the nations, Is based on our practice, on our ethics, the practice of forgiveness, the practice of giving up privilege, giving up power and building rather a new inclusive community where all can have access, all are loved and all are respected. It seems to me this just connects so well with the rest of Jesus's ministry and teaching focused on the reign of God is that not what Jesus is making real here the reign of God in our midst recalls for me one of my favorite verses Uh, in many ways i think the gospel in the old testament from Micah 6 verse 8 that God has shown us what does he require of us to do justly to love mercy And to walk humbly with our God, the shepherd God, who cares for us and provides, that allows us to assert, I shall not want, I will not live according to the logic of greed and power. It's that God we walk humbly with, and the disruptive host who invites all of us, our enemies included, around the table. Can we hear this? Can we allow Jesus to say to us, stop, stop what you're doing and claim again the house of prayer for all the nations, the site of prayer based on our practice, not the institutional presence. But rather, as we hear it, can we spur each other on to see God's presence, God's house, in our ongoing actions of justice, mercy, and humility. Amen.
0: A huge thank you to Graham for taking the time to prepare and lead us in our conference Bible study. To find out more about the inspiring work of the Churchland program in South Africa, we would encourage you to visit their website churchland.org.za. have been listening to the podcast of the Methodist Church in Ireland. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. We hope it has encouraged and inspired you to live wholeheartedly as a follower of Jesus for the transformation of the world. If you haven't done so already, why not consider subscribing to the podcast in order to receive notifications for new episodes? If you'd like to find out more about the Methodist Church in Ireland, please visit our website irishmethodist.org or connect with us via our various social media channels by searching for Irish Methodist hope you can join us next time on the Methodist Church in Ireland podcast